Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Last week, Pastor Chuck and Dr. Gresham gave us a pretty powerful challenge as we had a discussion here about some tough issues that are not only ripping our country apart, but across America is ripping the church apart. And the challenge that we were left with was would you and would I, instead of pointing the finger at someone else, be bold enough to pray, God, show me. God, show me in my heart. Do, do I harbor any prejudice? Do I harbor any racism? Do I harbor any pride? Show me anything inside of me that is keeping me from being a representative of you to the world because the problem all comes back to and can be fixed by us realizing who we are in Christ and what he has called us to do. And then the challenge was once we pray, God, show me to be man enough and woman enough to do something about it. And so we were left with this challenge, all right, let's be authentic, let's be real about our own hearts and say, God, show me. And whatever God does show us, would we be bold enough to open our hands and say, God, here, here it is, you have it, you take it, I trust you with it. I have no doubt when we left this place last week, there were many, maybe hundreds and hundreds of people that left feeling like, okay, God, I really do wanna do something. God, I really do wanna be used by you. So God, I, I do open my hands to you and I, I, I give you whatever it is you're asking me to give up. But probably like you or like has happened to me this week, you probably experienced life between then and now. And sometimes we can come to church and we can have the best intentions in the world and we can sing your love is extravagant and we can sing about the promises of God and we can say, God, here have everything. And then when we leave this place and we get around those coworkers, you know who they are, those friends, those teammates, those people in the neighborhood and we start feeling a little pressure and we, we start being reminded of, what life was like last week or where we come from or what we're supposed to believe or how we're supposed to act. Sometimes the very thing that we were asked to give God when we realize the implications of giving those things up, the very next week, those are the very things that we hold on to even tighter. Years ago, when my son was very, very young, I remember we were hanging out one day and he says, daddy? And I said, yes, son. He said, um, can I have some candy? And I thought, well, sure, sure, I'll, I'll give you some candy. So I went and, and I, um, I bought him a, a little bag of candy. I can't remember if it was Skittles or Starburst, but I remember he rips it open and he starts eating them. And I look at the candy, I, I like candy. And I could kind of smell the fruit flavors. And I said, well, son, you think you might share some candy with your dad? 
And he looks at me and goes. And I said, well, hold, hold on. I, I just gave you that candy. That's, that's really my candy. Can you just give me some of the candy that I gave you? Nope. And he starts emptying them into his hand. And I say, what do you mean? That's my candy. I gave you the candy. You realize I'm bigger than you, right? If I want the candy, I can take the candy from you. I just want you to share the candy with me. And he starts popping them really fast. You know, it's like he's going to eat it before I have a chance to get it. And I remember going, hold on now. What is this kid doing? Because it's not even about the candy at this point. It's about the fact that I gave him something. It's from me. I blessed him with it. I'm asking him to give it to me, and he's telling me no. And I think, boy, listen here. I don't need your candy because if I want some candy, I can go and I can buy my own candy, a bigger bag of candy, in fact. And I can eat this whole bag of candy while you... I don't need your candy. I want you to share it with me. And he begins to clench the few Skittles he has left, the few remaining pieces of candy. He begins to hold on it even tighter as his little cheeks are packed full of candy. Refusing to give it up. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're worried that if I take your candy, you're not gonna have any more candy left. But the reason I gave you candy in the first place is because I love you and I'm your father and I wanted to bless you with the candy. And so don't you think if you run out of candy, I can go give you some more candy as I see fit for you to have candy. And in fact, I can go and I can bring an even bigger bag of candy into this situation. And do you know that if I really wanted to, do you know that I have the keys to a kingdom that you don't even understand anything about? And it's called Wells Fargo. And do you understand I have resources that you ain't ever seen before that you can't comprehend? Do you know if I really wanted to, I could go down to the Sam's Club and I could blow your mind with candy? I could rain down the fruit rainbow on your head. Do you know if I really wanted to, I could probably sell a few things off. I could probably go purchase a truckload of Skittles and you could swim in your bedroom full of Skittles. Do you know that I could do things that you don't even know about? See, it's not about what's in your hand right now. You need to realize you don't own that. I gave it to you. You need to realize that what's going on right now is now not about Skittles. It's about our relationship. You need to realize that what is going on right now in this scenario here, that if I'm asking for something because I love you and because I have resources that you don't even know about, if I'm asking for something, I'm also giving something. See, we can go crazy. And if you're a parent in here, you know exactly because this has happened to you before. We can go crazy trying to reason with a child in this scenario 
But the reality is, as we grow up, we may not argue over candy anymore, but sometimes we have that same conversation with God. As God says, I want you to give me whatever. It might be, give me your stuff. Hold on, this is my stuff, God. I want you to give me your time. Pastor Chuck just made an announcement last week. We need people serving in different areas. And I want you to give me your time. Well, hold on, it's my time, God. I want you to give me your, 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 your prejudice. Well, hold on, that's my upbringing, God. You don't understand where I come from. You don't understand the people I've been around. You don't understand this. And we get in these same situations. And it seems like whenever we're listening to God, like last week, God show me, it seems like when God is identifying to us and we're being authentic and real before God and we say, okay, I get it. I'm hearing from you. There's something we need to give. It seems like in those moments when God is asking, as we try to release these things and we experience the pressures of life and people and society, sometimes the very next moment we could find ourselves right back here at church with our hands clenched even tighter. Last week, Pastor Chuck shared with us an awesome story in scripture. The story of Peter in Acts chapter 10. And if you weren't here, let me catch you up real quick what's going on in the story. Peter's having his devotional time on the rooftop of his house. And all of a sudden he sees something that's, that's kind of blowing his mind. He sees what looks like a sheet come down from heaven. And in this sheet, this sheet is filled with animals, all kind of different animals. And God said, Peter, I want you to take and I want you to eat what's in that sheet. And Peter, being a good Jew, he says, God, hold on. What's in that sheet is unclean. I will never touch that. See, that was his upbringing. That was his custom. That was his religious rules of that time. God, I'm not gonna touch that because it's unclean. And God says, hold on a second, Peter. If I said that it's clean, it is clean. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've heard before. I don't care what you've been taught. If I tell you something, you need to take it to the bank because I am God and this is true. Now take and eat. And while Peter's still trying to figure out really what's going on, God says, I want you to go to the house of a man named Cornelius, who is a Gentile. Peter was a Jew and a good Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile. We're talking about an entirely different people. They didn't really mix. They didn't believe the same thing. They had different ideas about everything. But in obedience to God, he says, okay, God, I will go. He goes to Cornelius' house. And as Pastor Chuck shared with us last week, Peter and Cornelius begin to talk. And they realize in that moment as they're talking and what God's been doing, that the message of the gospel has come for all people. They realize in that moment that the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level ground. God died for the Jews. He died for the Gentiles. Through what Jesus did on the cross, there is life abundant that is offered. Salvation is offered to everyone. They start realizing in that moment what they have in common and, and, and stop focusing on their differences. 
And as he shared with us last week, as Peter shares the gospel with Cornelius and his friends and his people, the power and the presence of God falls on the place and these Gentiles give their lives to Christ. So they're hanging out and they're celebrating all that God is doing in their midst. You know what else Peter discovered that day? These Gentiles know how to cook, right? Man, it's good stuff. He's realizing that he can now have uh, bacon with his eggs. He discovered for the first time in his life, barbecue. Now, my wife knows, Courtney knows I'm a happy man when we go to Praise the Lord Barbecue, right up here on Buford Drive. And I get my burnt ends plate with carrot souffle. I know it sounds sketchy, but it is so good. Y'all know carrot souffle and I get my mac and cheese and I'm happy because kids eat free on Sunday. And I'm just like, man, this is good stuff. I am in a happy place when I'm eating my barbecue. Can you imagine as a grown man learning about barbecue for the first time? Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles. They're sharing in fellowship in the Lord. They're enjoying meals together. Everything is awesome. Peter had opened up his heart, had opened up his hands to what God wanted to do in him. And as he opens his hands, God is accomplishing his purposes through Peter. This is awesome. Well, the story continues. If we flip over to Galatians chapter two, we see that after this scene where they're having barbecue ribs and they're celebrating how good God is and they're celebrating this unity and fellowship together, we see a scene in Galatians chapter two where Paul is talking. If you wanna flip there either in the app or in your Bible or you can follow along on the screens. In Galatians chapter two, Starting in verse 11, we, it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I, which is Paul, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Well, what did he do? He just took the gospel to the Gentiles. He's fellowshipping with them. He opened up his hands and heart to God. He's, he's breaking down racial barriers. He's allowing God to speak to him. He's being obedient. He's living with open hands. What in the world happened to Peter between this barbecue cookout and when Paul is openly opposing him and basically he's busting his chops publicly for what he did wrong? Here's what Peter did wrong. It says, when he, Peter, first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Well, what happens here? Peter's hanging out with the Gentiles. He's eating with them, he's fellowshipping with them. Everything's going good. Then all of the sudden, some guys show up, some boys from the neighborhood show up and they say, hey, Peter, what? What are you doing, man? You're not supposed to be hanging out with them. What, have, have you forgot everything you learned growing up? Have you forgot where you came from? What, what are you doing hanging out with those people? 
And all of a sudden, the very thing that Peter gave to God and allowed God to use him, we see in verse 12, the ESV, the NIV, several translations put it this way. And when they came, when the boys from the hood came, he drew back and he separated himself from the Gentiles. These guys show up and they start criticizing Peter. And it says, Peter got up and he walked out. And not only did he walk out, all the other Jews with him, all of his boys, they walk out with him. The word for drawback here in verse 12, the originally meant to contract as in the closing of the fingers, to contract as in closing one's fingers. He's living with an open hand and open heart before God. He starts getting criticism from his buddies, from his people. And all of a sudden in this moment, he begins to draw back the very thing which he had just given to God. And it says, because of that, he led many people. He led many people astray. Paul is busting his chops because he's saying, man, it was great. God's using you when you're living with open hands and open heart. But now you are hurting the cause of Christ. You are hurting the message of the gospel. What are you doing? See, sometimes we get so focused on what is in our hand that we lose perspective of what's really going on. See, our eyes are so focused on what is in our hand, we lose perspective of the big picture. We start buying, we start believing lies, and we forget the truth of God. And it's in that moment when we start drawing back, when we start contracting our hands, that we need to remember some truth that can change the course of our lives. There's a few truths I want us to look at this morning. Whenever God is asking us for something, there's a few things we need to remember. The first thing is this, that it is not ours to keep. It's not ours to keep. When it comes to our stuff, he owns it. When it comes to our time, he gave it to us. Our very next breath right now is a gift from God. When it comes to him asking us to love someone who may get on our very last good nerve, the very love he's asking us to give someone else, we can only love because he first loved us. Well, hold on, they don't deserve it, God. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And everything we have, we are merely managers, our stewards. That's a provisional caretaker of everything that God has given us. So when God asks us to do something hard or release something we hold close, our perspective has got to be bigger than right here. Our perspective has got to be bigger than ourselves. Several weeks ago, we had the opportunity to take a number, a bunch of high school students to the beach for our high school summer beach camp. It was awesome. It, it was awesome, an incredible time. We had a lot of fun, played games on the beach, greased up some watermelons and fought over them. That's always fun. Had some incredible times of worship and service. It was so good. One of the things that we were super careful about all week 
is the fact that where we were in Pauly's Island, our, our Litchfield Beach area, there was a really, really bad rip current. And so as we swam, we took a ton of precautions to make sure our students were safe. We said, rip current's really bad. You can only go in chest high. You gotta have a buddy system. You gotta swim in groups. We had our adult leaders kind of making a perimeter in the water. They were on lockdown, right? Still having a blast, but just on lockdown. Matt Jones, one of our, our high school leaders, he's a coach at Buford High School. He was out there and he noticed that behind our group, there were two kids, younger kids that were swimming. One of them was obviously the older. He was bigger, stronger, and they kind of got caught in a rip current and, and they were struggling pretty hard. And the big boy made his way in and as he's passing Matt, he's, he's huffing and puffing, but he's gonna make it. And Matt said, hey, who's the other kid? He said, that's my little brother. He said, how is he? Don't know. And he kept going like any big, you know, great big brother would do. Well, Matt realized that this guy gave out. He couldn't fight the current anymore. And he wasn't gonna make it. And Matt puts himself in the current to go save a kid he doesn't know. We call, him, uh, we call him the Hoff now, or you can just call him Matt Baywatch here, you know? Why did he put himself in danger to save a kid he didn't know? Because he had a bigger perspective of the situation. I heard a story this week of a guy who said when he was in middle school, he almost drowned in his friend's swimming pool. He was swimming in the pool and he wandered into the deep end, wasn't a great swimmer at all. And he got water in his mouth and he started choking and he went under the water and he was just able to push himself up off the bottom enough to call the name of his friend. And his friend happened to hear him and he reached down in the water and he pulled him out and he saved him. Because he was saved and delivered, he went on to take swimming lessons and become a really good swimmer, like competitive swimmer. And in fact, because he was saved and delivered in his buddy's pool, he went on to become a certified lifeguard. From there, he went on to become a water safety instructor so he could teach other lifeguards how to save lives. All because one day someone reached in and saved him and delivered him. See, when we lose perspective on who has saved us and what has happened to us, it is easy to make things about us when we lose sight of the bigger picture. When God asks you to do something hard and forgive someone that has wronged you, to release bitterness, to release pride, no matter if they deserve it or not, we, that forgiveness is not even ours to give because it's been given to us by God. We are simply managers of what God has given us. King David had a great perspective on this. In 1 Chronicles 29, he's given instructions on his son Solomon building the temple. Listen to the words that he uses here. This guy had great amount of stuff. This is what he says. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only for a moment. 
We're visitors and strangers in the land our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. Check this out. Oh, Lord, our God, even this material that we've gathered to build you a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. Paul, in his New Testament letter in 1 Corinthians, he refers to himself as a manager, simply a manager. Here's what he says. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why even boast as though it were not a gift? Everything we have is from God. It, it, it's not ours to keep. And when we start arguing with God about our stuff, our things, what we have, what we want to hold on to, we're like a child arguing with his parent over something so trivial. Number one, it's not ours. Number two, it's really about relationships. It really is about relationships. See, eating Skittles with my son is it, not really about the Skittles. I don't need his candy. I can go buy my own candy. It is about me sharing something with my son and his willingness for me to share in his blessing, which, by the way, I gave him. If you're looking for something to tweet, if you're looking for something to write down right now, catch this. It's really not about what's in our hand. It's about what's in our heart. See, our attitude towards giving, our attitude towards surrender is completely determined by our attitude towards God. Our view of God determines this right here. It's really about relationship. It's about understanding the nature of God, the heart of God, and then living in the love of God through relationship with God. And as we learn to live, to, to live by abiding in him and understanding who we are in him, it gives us a bigger and broader perspective on everything. See, if I got a call this week from the president of the United States, and he said, hey, Tripp, this is the president of the United States. All right, about time you called me. Thanks. <laughs> I want to come to your house to have dinner with you and, and Courtney. What? Yep, I'm coming this week. All right, let me, let me call Courtney, and I'll call Courtney. Courtney, you won't believe this. The president of the United States wants to come to, house, to the house for dinner. Let's get everything ready. And she says, well... All right, I'll go look in the fridge. I think we have some leftover meatloaf from the other night. I might can find a chicken leg or two in there from last week. I'll, I'll scrape something together for us. I'm thinking, what? No way. Because it's the president of the United States and the office of the president demands more than our leftovers. As we live in relationship with God, how much more as we realize who God is and who we have relationship with, how much more does the God of the universe, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords deserve our very best? And we're over here wondering, well, what kind of leftovers can I give him? What can I give him once I've had what I've had and once I'm full, what can I give him? There's a story of a little boy and um, 
he's on the way to church and his dad gives him two quarters and says, son, I want you to give one quarter to God at church. Put it in the offering basket. The other one you can hold on to yourself, buy yourself some bubble gum or something with. So the boy's on the way to church and he drops one of the quarters and it rolls down on the sidewalk and falls into a drain. And the boy looks up at heaven and says, well, God, there goes your quarter. <laughs> you know, that's how we treat God sometimes. Sometimes that's what I do to God. I'll say, well, God, depending on my situation, I, I'll give you something. Let's see if we get all the bills paid this month. Let's see if we get to go do what we want to do. Then maybe I'll give you some of my stuff. God, I'll go talk to that person, but depending on their attitude towards me is going to determine how much love and forgiveness I'm going to show them. You see how we act sometimes? Our situation is determining what we give God. Kind of like Peter with the Gentiles. Man, when they're having a barbecue rib cookout, things are good. When he starts getting criticism and pressure for what he's doing and how he's living in surrender, his attitude towards his God changes. He loses perspective on who was asking. See, Peter's problem wasn't a hand problem. It was a heart problem. Dr. G last week said this, until we get the heart right, we're always going to have a problem. See, an open hand is the result of a giving heart, and a giving heart is the result of abiding in the one who is the ultimate giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we abide in him, we can know that we can trust him. Before my kids became good swimmers, when they were young, I remember going to the pool and them standing right on the edge and everyone saying, jump, it's okay, you'll be all right. Jump in, jump in, jump in. And it was this right here, uh-uh. Mm-mm. And I don't care who got in that water and said, jump, mm-mm, I'm not jumping. But as soon as daddy got in the water and said, sweetheart, I want you to look at me right here, okay? Your daddy's here and your daddy's gonna catch you. And I want you to trust me and I want you to jump. My little girl would jump to me. Why? Because she knew me. She knew she could trust me. She knew I was the one who was asking and it made all the difference in the world. She knew that I've never dropped her before and let her drown. She knew she could jump to her daddy. And you know how I knew she was ready to jump? When she opened up her hands to me. See, it's only then that we can enjoy through relationship that blessing together. As we relationally experience that God is all powerful and all loving, we can open our hands in confidence to trust him. It's all about relationship. And as we open our hands, we'll experience this last truth. That's this. If God is asking, God is giving. God will never ask you to give something in obedience to him and not give you something better. Now, what God gives us 
thankfully is not always what we ask for. Because I love my four-year-old child, I do not give my four-year-old child a five-pound bag of Skittles. Why? Because I've worked with teenagers for 20 years and I know what happens when you eat five pounds of Skittles. I've seen it before. It's not pretty. Because I love my child, I'm going to give my child in love, not what they think they need. I'm going to give them what is best for them. I read this week, God is way more concerned about our eternal state than our temporal happiness. Sometimes I forget that. How many of you can look back and thank God that he didn't answer a prayer like we wanted him to? Man, I'm thankful. If God had answered all my prayers, I would have married Mary, uh, Amy Price in seventh grade, you know? I would have married Kelly Kapowski in ninth grade and Paula Abdul in 11th grade, you know? You know, you prayed that, you know? Because opposites attract, right? You know? Straight up. Don't be cold hearted. I could go all day with Paula, I'm really good. But I'm thankful God did not answer all of my prayers like I thought, because you know what? God had something so much better in mind. Her name was Courtney Erickson, who is now Courtney Atkinson. Why didn't God answer my prayer to bring me and Paula together, you know? Because he's a good, good father and he knows what I need. He knows what is for my good and for his glory. This past week, I was talking with a young lady who knows that she needs to surrender a relationship to the Lord, but fear of what would happen if she did is gripping her. And she's like, what's next? If I give this up, what is next? Well, you know what? Maybe what's next, maybe you don't need a man next. Maybe you need to run to the one who is the lover of your soul. Maybe you need to learn how to abide in Jesus and learn what real love looks like. Maybe you need to jump into the arms of an all-loving father who wants really what is best for you. Maybe you need to stop fearing and you need to start trusting. See, we, we withhold from God because we don't be, wanna be without but I want you to catch this truth right here. Take a picture of it, write it down, whatever. Please catch this truth right here. If you take anything away today, take this. A hand obediently opened to an all-powerful, all-loving God will not be left empty. A hand that is obediently opened to an all-powerful, he's got resources, he can do whatever he wants. All-loving, he wants what is best for you. That hand will never, ever be left empty. Now, he may not always put in it what we think we want in it, but he's never, ever gonna leave it empty. Throughout scripture, we see the faithfulness of God. Paul said this in Philippians 4, 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which is, have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The writer of Psalm says, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. For the Lord is our sun and our shield and he gives us grace and glory. The Lord will not withhold any good thing from those who do what is right. John 10, 10, for the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have life to the full. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And in Romans 8, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give us everything else? I don't know what God has asked you to surrender to him. I don't know what God is asking from you. If you don't know, would you dare pray what Pastor Chuck has asked us to pray and simply say, God, show me? God, I, I just want you to reveal to me what I'm holding on to. Maybe I'm holding on to my time. I need to be out serving more. Maybe, maybe I'm holding on to my stuff and I need to be more generous. Maybe I'm holding on to a grudge. Maybe I'm holding on to prejudice. Whatever it is, God show me and then give me the boldness to open my hands. Some of you this week have been living with open hands. And this morning, your prayer simply needs to be, God, I wanna live a life like this. I wanna be used by you. I wanna experience all you have for me. God, help me not to believe the noise I hear from the neighborhood, but let me so abide in you that I'm always mindful of the bigger picture of who is asking and that it's for my, my good and your glory. Maybe today, You've never opened your hands and your heart to God and received the very best gift that he wants to give you. And that's himself. And with himself comes the incredible gifts of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Abundant life through Jesus Christ. And today you need to just open your hands and your heart to him and you say, God, I know that you're for me, you're not against me, you're, you're such a good father. And today I don't have it all figured out. I, I don't know everything about the Bible, but I believe it's a love story of how my sin separated me from you. But out of your love and your generosity and your grace, you pursued me. And through what Jesus did on a cross, you died for my sins. You made the payment for my sins. And so today I wanna to open my hands and I wanna give you myself and my pride and, and my sin. And I wanna exchange that for life in you. And maybe today you just need to jump. I don't have it all figured out, but I know that you're gonna catch me. Let's bow our heads together. Would you be so bold today as to say, God, I trust you. Whatever it is, God, I, I trust you. It's not even about what's in the hand as much as what's in the heart. And so God, I open my heart to you. And as I open my heart to you, God, I open my hands to you. It's all yours. It's about relationship. I trust you enough to give all of me to all of you. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.